Thank you, Kyle. Worship team, great word. And once again, God has done what only God can do in coordinating those songs to go right along with my message. Uh, Kyle had no idea what I was preaching on until Thursday when I gave him my notes and everything. But that song, Sea of Victory, Sea a Victory. Listen, if you are a child of God, if you have acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter if you lose every single battle here on earth. You will see victory as a child of God. You see, Christ has already won the war. We may lose a battle here and there, but Christ has won the war. So in the end, guess what? We win. We have the greatest victory of all time for all of eternity as a child of God. And that is my prayer for you today is that you know without a shadow of a doubt, you have acknowledged that you are a sinner and that you needed saving. You needed a Messiah to come along and shed his blood for you and that you've entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior so that you can have that same victory. So today we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. It's a very familiar passage. Um, I love the Old Testament, love the stories of that. And it's so inspiring to see things like this, to know that we serve the King of Kings who is undefeated. He is victorious in all that he has ever done. Joshua 1, 1 through 9, the title of the sermon is Stepping Up and Stepping Out. It's one thing to step up. It's one thing to say, here I am, God, send me. You see, the here I am part usually is not as difficult as the part of stepping out. When he calls you, you say, here I am, Lord, send me. And he says, okay, I want you to go be a missionary in the jungles of Africa. Whoa, time out. There's big snakes in Africa, right, God? So you know my fear of snakes. So when I once said, here I am, send me, I'll get those instructions. And then for me to literally take the step of faith and to go out becomes way more difficult. And we see that today in this story with Joshua. If you're familiar with this passage, it literally is a continuation of Deuteronomy chapter 34. You can go back and read that this afternoon. But literally what has happened here, to give you a context, is Moses, the great leader that has led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, led them to the wilderness, he is finished. He has died. So as we will see, there's going to be a lot of turmoil that the people of the Israelites really are facing a crisis at this time. Their, their leader, their fearless leader that has done so much for them, literally is no longer there. He's been their spiritual guide. He's been their physical guide. He's navigated them through very difficult situations, and now he's not there. So again, he did some great and mighty things. Let them out of slavery, let them through the wilderness. But they knew the promise. They knew where they were going, and that was to the promised land that God had for them. But what happens before they reach that promised land? Moses dies. So think about it in our perspective today or in our society, our circumstances. We have this great leader, and then all of a sudden he's not there. Well, we know that he has led us to this point, and we knew that we had further to go but he's not there. So what do we do? A lot of times we worry. 
right? I know as Christians, we're not supposed to worry. We become anxious about what is the next step. Well, what we will see today as we go through this, we will see that God is never surprised. God always has a purpose. So in the first chapter of this book, we not only find a crisis, but we find the Lord literally addressing Joshua. He is giving him some instructions. He's giving him some encouragement. And listen, there are going to be some hallelujah statements in this passage today. There's like five or six that I just want to shout whenever we read them. So if you want to say hallelujah, you're okay to say hallelujah because I might just say it too. But then there comes a point in time where we are praying and praying and praying. We're talking with others about stepping up and stepping out. Now, this could be anything as far as who you're going to be dating. This could be about taking on a new job. This could be about any major life change in your life. So don't think that uh, God is wanting me to lead hundreds of thousands of people into the promised land. We all have decisions in our life each and every day, and God wants to challenge us to step up and to step out. See, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be obedient and to go and do what he has called us to do, what he has created us to do. In doing that, we must step out despite our feelings. We must step out to fight despite our fears, your doubts. Listen, how many of you have ever said, that's not in my comfort zone? It's easy to say that, right? We want to stay where we're comfortable. We want to stay where we know things and everything is okay. But we see in this passage today, Joshua and the Israelites had to take the plunge. And I mean, literally, they had to take the plunge. And they had enough faith and had enough trust in God to be obedient and do that. And I pray today that you have that type of faith in God. And it starts with salvation. If you don't have faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can't step out and do what God has created you to do because you don't have the right relationship with Him. So that is my prayer today. So hopefully all of you are there. Joshua 1, 1, 9, I'm going to read that, and then we will circle back around and discuss it. I really hope to have y'all out by 1 o'clock today, okay? Okay, a few of y'all are still with me. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. And all the people said, oh no, what are we going to do? He says, now therefore arise. Here he is. He is presenting a challenge right from the very beginning. Cross this Jordan. You and all this people to the land which I'm giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Here's one of those hallelujah statements. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you. Hallelujah. Just as I spoke to Moses from the wilderness, this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. Verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you. Thank you. Can you imagine? No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. It's not just for a short time frame. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Here it is because God knows how we are as humans. What does he say? Be strong and courageous. We'll see that again. For you shall give the people possession of the land which I swore to the fathers to give them. 
only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it. Don't go to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Guess what he says? Be strong and courageous. Why? Because if you're like me, you're a knucklehead, and God has to tell you 30,000 times to do something, right? Don't, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is wherever you go. Let's pray. Father God, I do thank you. God, I thank you for this scripture. God, I thank you for all that it means. God, I thank you for the relevancy of it. Even though it was written thousands of years ago, this literally is us today. God, I pray that you will be with us. Allow your Holy Spirit to convict each and every one of us in here to be strong and courageous. And God, that moment of strong is literally at the moment of salvation, that we die to ourselves. God, we give up all that we have, all that we know, which is nothing to turn to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that you will be exalted. God, I pray that this message goes out and penetrates our hearts. God, may it consume us as we go out so that we can share the love of Christ with everyone that we encounter. God, help us to be obedient and step up. God, help us to take the challenge of stepping out as well. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So the very first thing I want us to see in this passage is the purpose of God. When you read this passage, you really kind of have some doubt. He says, and now it came about after the death of Moses that the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. So how is that the purpose of God? When we experience death in our own lives, we tend to question, I'm sorry, I tend to question because y'all are way more spiritual than I am. We may say, why, God? Why have you allowed this person to go to heaven? And I've shared this with many of you. My grandfather, I had that when I was 19 years old. My grandfather died at 63. He was the most evangelistic and encouraging person I've ever met. He had a stroke, and three days later, he died. And I'm like, God, why? God, why would you take him? Look at all the work that he is doing for you. He would literally share the gospel with a telephone pole. And I think the telephone pole almost got saved a couple times. And here I am just coming out of high school, really not having a clue of what I'm going to do in life. And I'm like, God, I'm not doing half as much as what he's doing for you. So why in the world would you take him at such an early age? And we see this could be said about Moses. They had come out of slavery. They had come through the wilderness. And literally, if you go back to Deuteronomy, it tells you that God allowed Moses to literally see the promised land, but he wouldn't let him enter it. So why? What was his purpose? And listen, the same thing I said that God convicted me about my grandfather. My, he said, listen, his job is done. My purpose for him has been fulfilled, so I have blessed him and called him home. The same thing with Moses here. He has done what his purpose was that God created him to do. See, his purpose was never to literally lead them into the promised land. It's literally to get them right at the brink of it. So what is the purpose of God? It's a time for Joshua to pick up the, the reins and lead the people into the promised land. 
Again, you have to go back to Deuteronomy 34, and you will see a lot of these things that really come into play and explain the context of this. So I want to encourage you, go home today and read that before your nap, okay, so you don't forget about it. But again, Joshua was about to become very aware of God's purpose and direction for his life. Joshua was about to have a whole lot of weight put on his shoulders. But we're going to see it really wasn't on his shoulders. But God was speaking. Joshua was there. Every time that, that literally God spoke to Moses, Joshua was there except for the burning bush experience. So Joshua had been being prepared his entire life. He had been under study of Moses. He watched how God worked in his life. He watched the obedience that Moses carried out for God's directions in his life. So literally he is, is like really kind of saying, this is a big, big task. I have to lead all these people. And listen, they were easy people to lead, right? I mean, how many times do we go back to when they were in the wilderness and they were grumbling about every stinking thing they could? And then they probably made up stuff to grumble about. So Joshua was probably like, uh, okay, Moses couldn't do this, but yeah, he did a good job. He got him all the way here, but now you're asking me to do this? Again, it's his purpose. This is the reason God created him. God creates every one of us to worship him above all else. He creates us to be in relationship with him. He has a specific purpose for every single one of us. Listen, it doesn't matter if you stay at home, if you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO of the biggest company in America. Listen, God has a purpose for all of us. And as long as you have breath in your lungs, God has a purpose for you. There is no retirement in kingdom work. How do we know that? Moses was 120 when he passed away. Guess how old Joshua is at this time? Joshua is almost 90. So guess what? There's no age limit. There's no retirement. As long as you are here, God has a purpose for you. So God's directions and purposes are clear. The people of Israel are going to go across the Jordan River, and they're going to enter into the promised land of Canaan. They're going to take possession of it. Joshua is going to be their leader. Two things that are very clear and very evident. So here's a question for you to ponder. Why was God so adamant about the people going into the promised land? Because I'm such a nice guy, I'm going to give you the answers. Okay? First thing was, God wanted the Israelites to enter the promised land because of the promise he had made to them in uh, Genesis chapter 12. He said, hey, look, one day, all of you, you Israelites, are going to go into the promised land. Number two, this would set the stage for later events that would happen. Genesis 17, 8 says, not only giving the current Israelites a home, but the future generations. Again, God has a purpose. God's purpose is a 30,000-foot overview. Everything that he does, he knows is going to have purpose for thousands of years down the road. You may think you're a good planner, but God planned all this before the beginning of the world. Before he even created it, he knew that Joshua was going to lead the Israelites into the promised land. The third thing was to punish the sinful people that were living in the land. Leviticus 18, 24, and 25 says, Do not make yourselves unclean by any of these things, for by all these nations I am driving out before you have begun unclean. The land became unclean so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited its inhabitants. You see the victory 
the prophecy that has taken place here. And then the last thing is, he wanted them to be a testimony to others. Joshua chapter 2, you have to go ahead a chapter, verses 9 through 11. Literally, it talks about Rahab making a comment there how she has seen the hand of God work through Joshua and Caleb. So, we know the purpose of God. Now, let's look at the promise of God. Second point, the promise of God. Verse 3 and 4. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you. Just as I spoke to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the sea, great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. Now, how many times do you think the word promise or how many promises are there in Scripture? The research that I did, there's between 3,000 and 3,500 promises in the Bible. Here's the toughest question of the day. How many promises has God ever broken? Zero. Over 3,000 promises. God promises his people throughout all of eternity. And guess what? Every time he makes a promise, every time he says, I will, guess what? God must do it. How many friends or family do you say, oh, no, man, don't worry about it. I will be there at 5 o'clock, and I will help you do what you need to do. 7.30 rolls around, you're like, dude, where are you? How many times do people let us down? But what we have to understand is that we look at the text, we look at the scriptures of God, the word of God, and we see that every time he says, I will, why do we not rejoice when he says that? There's some good things. He says, I will bless you. But there's also some things where he says, he puts out some negative connotation there, right? We'll all be judged. But he says, as we will see through this, he said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. He said, every place on which, which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you. So Joshua and the people of Israel trusted the Lord their God. They had seen him do some great mighty things. Again, bringing them out of slavery, getting them to the Red Sea, parts of the Red Sea, lets it collapse on Pharaoh and all his people, got them through the wilderness. They're, they're here at the brink of the promised land. But it's so amazing to see all of the back history to this. Because think about Joshua and Caleb. It was almost 40 years prior to this that they went in and actually spied out the land. It shows their faith. They knew that God would fulfill his promises no matter what. Joshua knew that God had promised Abraham that he would become a mighty nation and that his people would inhabit the land of Canaan. See, he had this scripture. He already knew this. He trusted in God's promises. When was the last time you doubted God's promises. When was the last time you started fretting and worrying that God wasn't going to step up? When was the last time you worried that God wasn't going to be able to move that mountain in front of you? For some of us, it was 30 minutes ago. Some of you could have been anxious about, this may be your first time in church, and you're like, no, I don't, I'm scared, I don't want to go there, and people are going to be all crazy. You know, they play with snakes and stuff like that. Listen, there's going to be no snake playing in here, okay? I promise you, as long as I'm here. But you see, we have his word. We have the history to know that he has never broken a promise, yet we still worry. We have the entire Bible to read. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For as many 
as are the promises of God. In him, they are yes. Therefore, although through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. This explains to us that all the promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus. He doesn't say, you're going to be okay because of your mom. You're going to be okay because of your dad. You're going to be okay because of your pastor. You're going to be okay because of your boss. No, listen, the only reason we are okay is because of Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of every promise God has ever given. He is the one that we have been looking for. In him, we find our yes to the answer of these questions. Is Jesus the Son of God? Yes, Is he the promised one who would take away the sins of the world? Yes, done it, victorious. We don't have to worry about. Is he our ever-present help in times of need? Absolutely. But the problem becomes, sometimes he doesn't answer the way we want him to. Sometimes we may pray that that he removes the cancer, but it doesn't go away. Does that mean he's failed on his promise? You see, this season of our life here on earth, we are, we are aliens. This is not home. If you get cancer and die, you will be healed when you take your last breath here. He is going to heal us. No matter what the illness is, no matter the suffering that we experience, he will heal us of any physical ailment that we ever have. It may not be here on earth. And listen, I want to encourage you. I get some weird looks sometimes when I do this, but when I go to see someone that's at the hospital and, you know, it's been uh, it's pretty bad diagnosis. Listen, I don't pray for God to heal that person. <gasps> Pastor, that's kind of rude. What if it's not God's will to heal him here? I know that person is going to be healed, so why should I even pray and ask God to heal them But see, the problem is we're selfish and we want that person to be healed here so that we can spend some more time with them here. What if that's not God's will? Listen, if somebody tries to pray me out of heaven and it's my time to go, I'm going to be mad. Like, look, don't pray for me to get better if it's not time. I'm ready for heaven. Thank you. There's one other person in the room ready for heaven. People are like, you don't want to see your kids get married? You don't want to see grandkids? I mean, grandkids are the greatest thing on, in, in the world? Listen, I told y'all this a hundred times. My wife is fantastic. My kids are fantastic. But when you have Jesus and then you have them, I mean, they're the best of the best until you look at Jesus. To stand before my Savior, the one that literally shed his blood for me, Because I am and was a dirty, rotten sinner. But because of his love for me, he shed his blood for me so that I may be forgiven. Listen, he took God's wrath for my sin and gave me his righteousness. He gets my sin, I get his righteousness. Let's stop and think about that for a minute. You see, I think really grace becomes way more powerful when we understand the ugliness of our sin. Christ had to give his life because we are so sinful. So as God was speaking with Joshua, he promised Joshua something very important. Look at verse 3. Joshua was assured victory in all his endeavors. Everything. 
in taking hold of those promises, Joshua would be given all the places that his foot trod. Every step he took, everywhere that he went, he would have victory. Why? Because he was a great mighty warrior? Because he had these great people behind him? No, because God had given it to him. He was given assurance of the victory before he even started. Notice what I said here. Assurance of the victory. Not the victory. God did not do the work for him. There's nothing worse than having someone say, well, I'm praying about witnessing to my neighbor. I've been praying for about uh, 37 years now. and just had not got the courage to do it. Listen, there's sometimes where you just got to stop praying. You got to stop talking. You got to stop procrastinating and just do what God wants you to do. Thank you. So that's exactly what he's doing here. God's saying, look, man, I've already done the work for you. Basically, you're assured victory. Two things I want to note here. Even though God has given him the victory, Joshua still has to claim it. He's still got to put in the work. That would be like me going to the Ford dealership, because you're probably never going to see me at another dealership, unless it's buying something for my wife, which I'm still praying she gets right and comes over to the Ford family. But anyway, another sermon for another day, right? So I go there, and I purchase you a new truck. Derek, I'm going to the Ford place, and I'm going to purchase you a brand-new F-150. Paid for, title's in your name. All you got to do is go pick it up. You see, if he doesn't go to the Ford dealership, he's not going to enjoy that new truck. It's his, it's in, legally, it's in his name, bought, paid for. Well, it's the same thing with this victory here. God's saying, look, man, I've already bought the victory for you. All you got to do is go and do it. You see, that truck is not going to provide any benefit, any enjoyment to Derek until he goes and gets possession of it. And that's the same thing God is telling Joshua here. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. He's given it to us. He wants to bless us. Listen, he's gone before us. He's saying, there it is. But you got to reach out and grab it. You see, God can't bless us when we're not following him. God can't bless us when we're not obedient to what he's telling us to do. So you see, Joshua, if he's like, hey, I appreciate you, you know, taking care of everything, lining up, you know, everything there with the victory. But these people are really hard-headed, and I don't think I want to go through that much hassle. I'm 90 years old, God. Too old to do this. I've never done this before. Sound familiar? All those excuses that we tend to provide? Never done it that way. Never done it before. God, I, I just don't know. But he says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I don't know who said it, but I truly believe it. They said that when we get to heaven and we stand before God, he's going to say, look over there, and there's going to be a room of blessings galore. He said, these could have been yours. Now, I know there is no sorrow in heaven, but I think it's going to be done in a way that really just kind of convicts us. Why? Because we wouldn't step up. Because we wouldn't step out. We wouldn't go share the gospel with our neighbor because he doesn't look like us. We wouldn't share the gospel with them because they have too many tattoos. I wouldn't teach that class because I'm not smart enough. And I could go on and on and on and on. 
Why? Because we're human. That sinful side of us wants to say, no, I'm good, God. Sometimes we are too chicken to step out and reach for it. The promise of God cannot be fulfilled without the power of God. Point number three, the power of God, verses five through seven. Joshua was a man of faith. He believed God in all that he was saying and promising. Because of this, God's power was available for Joshua. Look, verse five. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not forsake you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Listen, again, Joshua was there with Moses. He saw how God provided for Moses time and time and time again. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and what? Very courageous. So the first two times he said be strong and courageous. Well, this time he goes deeper. He says be very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that, so that you may have good success wherever you go. That no one will be able to stand against him. All the days of his life. Now, we go through life and we have some good moments. We have some mountaintop experiences like, man, nothing can go wrong, right? We're thinking we can conquer the world. But two days later, our world falls apart. And we're like, God, I can't win anything. When it rains, it pours, right? He's saying all the days of his life. He's saying from now until you die, you're going to be victorious. So why did God tell him not to turn from his word? Look what it says. So he would be successful. But I thought that God had already claimed the victory for him. I thought it was all done. But he says, don't turn from, to the right or to the left from his word because he knows that his word's got to be in him. He knows that without his word in him, he can't be obedient to him. The power of God, that same power that holds the earth together and calms the seas, that control is available to you in your own personal life. All that is required to access this awesome power is faith and obedience. You want mountain-moving faith? Be obedient. Think about the confidence that this had to give Joshua. Here's the question for you to put this in perspective. What would you do today if you knew you wouldn't fail? What would you do today if you knew there was 0% failure? Would it change how you live? Hopefully it would. Hopefully it would give us that courage. So we have seen the purpose of God. We've seen the promise of God and the power of God. Now let's look at the presence of God. Verses 9 through 11. Have I not commanded you? Strong word there, commanded. He didn't give him an option. He doesn't say, hey, Joshua, you up for this gig? I hear the pay is not real good, but the benefits are spectacular. No, he says, I have, have I not commanded you what? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you are to cross this Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess it. So this verse would have been a great comfort to Joshua and the people. God told Joshua that he would be with him wherever they went for all of time. Joshua had the very presence of God as he marched through the promised land. Again, we as Christians have that same presence with us today. We have the presence of God in our lives given to us by Christ and described to us in the Word of God, yet so many times we still have fear. So many times we're still chicken. Now understand the setting of this. The Jordan River is really not a very big river except during flood season when it swells to a giant, rushing, dangerous time. So guess what? Isn't it funny how God puts us in situations where we have to have great faith? They come up, and it's like the worst time of the year to be there. So they're like, "Uh uh-oh, how do we do this? How do we get to the promised land with this river in front of us? God has a purpose. God has promise. God has power, and God is with them. So how do they get across? God does another great and mighty work. He literally says, have the, have the leaders, the 12 carrying the ark, step into the water. But God, remember uh, when you split the Red Sea, we come up to it and then, why well, we got to step in? See, sometimes God requires obedience before faith. He's saying, put your feet in and I'll take care of the rest. That's where we come to the stepping out part. Sometimes you have to step out and you don't see the safety net. Sometimes you have to take that leap without a parachute. How many of you are willing to jump out of an airplane without a parachute? See, that's what they're doing here. They were, God was testing them to the hundredth degree. He's saying, look, just step in. You don't believe me. Some of you are looking like, nah, that's not really true. Jump ahead to Joshua chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Again, God has purpose, God has promise, God has power, and God has presence. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail to drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, and all the rest of those ites there. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you to the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men of the tribes of Israel, each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Was he doing it to make it easy on them? 
No, he was doing it so that all of Israel would see the promises being fulfilled, would see the power and the purpose that God had for them in their lives. You see, God has to get us out of our comfort zone. He's got to get us to step out so that we can acknowledge and, and say that he is God alone, that he is all-powerful, that he is all-sovereign. Christians, listen, we can face uncertain times. Would you say we're kind of there today? With great certainty. We can face uncertain times with great certainty. Why? Because we're smart, because we have, you know, so many resources at our disposal. We can face each day just as Joshua did. Why? Because God has never broken a promise, and he never will. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That wasn't just for Joshua and the Israelites. That is for every child of God. God has a purpose God knew that he would never break a promise. His power is limitless, and his presence is always with us. What do you know? What do you do when you know God is calling you to do something and you don't want to do it? Listen, people often ask me, How do you know God's will in your life? God speak to you because you're a pastor? Nope. I wish. But a lot of times when I feel that leading to do something that I don't want to do, guess what? She's a God. God's saying, I know you don't want to do this. I know this is going to get you out of your comfort zone. But look, it's the purpose I have for you. And by his power, by his presence, we can accomplish anything. If God can part seas and rivers, he can conquer your mountain. He can move your mountain. He can give you what you need. If God calls you to do it, God will supply the needs. A lot of times we walk into a situation like that and like, no, I'm scared. I don't know enough. I haven't done this enough. God is there. And the problem becomes we forget all the times in the past where we were scared where we had fear, we were dismayed, and God showed up. We're like, wow. A week later, we're presented with another obstacle. Like, oh, goodness, what's going on? God, are you there? God, where are you? God, what are you going to do? Listen, he's there. His presence is with us. The same one that was with the Israelites, he is with us. God doesn't always do the miracle first. God doesn't always give you that safety net to say, here, you're going to fall into this safety net. It's okay if you fail. Listen, it's okay if we fail because there's only been one that's never failed. Don't let failure scare you. I don't want to go share the gospel because they're going to reject me. They're not rejecting you. You're not the gospel. It doesn't matter if you spit and sputter and stutter all the way through the gospel. The, the gospel message is what saves. It's not the messenger. The work has already been done. Face your fears. Tackle your obstacles. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Well, how do you know that? Glad you asked. Ecclesiastes 11.4. Those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seeds. 
when you're waiting to know enough, it's never going to happen. When you're waiting for all the stars to align, it's never going to happen. When God provokes you to do something, you must do it. Okay, God, I'll get to it next year. No, don't miss the blessing. God has a blessing for you in allowing you to do this. Listen, what greater blessing is there in life than to lead someone to Christ? If we understood what a great blessing that was, if we understood the magnitude of leading someone to Christ, why are we not doing that every day? Listen, if someone comes to me and says, hey, I bought you a brand new F-150, all you got to do is go down to four places and pick it up. Listen, I'm going to be there before they finish that sentence. I bought you a new F-150. I would be out of there then. I wouldn't even know what Ford dealership to go to. I would just go to all of them. I'd be so excited. And you see, the gospel is, is billions of times better than that. It's eternal. You think about someone spending eternity in heaven and someone spending eternity in hell. We shouldn't want hell for our worst enemy. But yet we have this great news of the gospel and we don't share it like we should. Listen, I'm, I'm the captain of that ship. I don't share it nearly enough. Let's step up. Let's step out to have faith in God and to be obedient to what he has called us to do. Have faith. Take the step and watch God provide for you in ways you can never imagine. Let's pray. Father God, I do thank you. God, I thank you for never giving up on me. God, I know there are many times where I'm scared to step up. God, I'm scared to step out. God, I pray for forgiveness of those times. God, there are times in my life that I have flat said no. And I repent. Forgive me for not sharing the gospel like I should. Forgive me for not loving others the way that I should. God, I pray today, God, that as this message has gone out, God, I pray that it has taken root in each of our hearts. God, starting with me. God, help me to not have fear. God, help me to be courageous. God, as your word says, help me to be very courageous, knowing that you never fail on your promises. God, you have a purpose for all of us. God, your power is undeniable and undefeated. And God, help us to rest in knowing that we have your presence with us each and every day. God, I pray today that someone will step up and acknowledge their need for a Savior. God, I pray that they will step out. God, that they will... Allow Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior. God, they will turn from their wicked ways and they will die to themselves to allow Christ to be Lord and Savior. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.